Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 543, Earning It. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Daryl Darnell. Fringe is my third most favorite show of all time. And I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I talk about lessons I learned from the Fringe podcast. Well, happy Monday to you. Happy December to you. Can you believe we are now in the final month of 2016? It uh, never ceases to amaze me how quickly time flies. And I think the older we get, the faster it goes. And in case you're wondering, my favorite show of all time is The Twilight Zone. My second favorite show of all time is Lost. And then, of course, Fringe is at number three. Well, as I said, today is December. In fact, it is December the 5th. And on this day in 1945, something peculiar happened. Yeah, on December 5th, five U.S. Navy Avenger torpedo bombers flew from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to the island of Bimini. The mission had 14 men. After about 90 minutes, the radio operators received a signal that the compass was not working. And after that, the communication was lost. The bombers were never found. One of the three planes that went to rescue them also disappeared. Yeah. And of course, this happened in the Bermuda Triangle. So, here are some fun facts and theories about the Bermuda Triangle. Number one, well, in case you're not sure about how big it is, it's not a small piece of water. In fact, it is quite large and covers an area of over 440,000 miles of sea. Number two, whenever any plane or ship disappears in the triangle, its debris cannot be found. I don't know if that's always the case, but a lot of times it is. And one of the reasons is that there is a Gulf Stream that runs near the triangle, which is like a river in the ocean, and so it quickly gets rid of the debris. Number three, the first person to report about the Bermuda Triangle was Christopher Columbus. He wrote in his journals that inside the triangle, the ship's compass stopped working, and he said he also saw a fireball in the sky. That seems weird, (laughs) which has got a lot of people theorizing and speculating like aliens and the lost city of Atlantis and all kinds of things. (laughs) Number, what are we on? Number four, on average, four aircraft and 20 yachts go missing in the triangle each year. Now, some people will say, well, yeah, but it's also one of the most highly traveled areas on the planet. So yeah, there's more things that go missing in this area, but maybe the ratio, when you look at the ratio of the, the traffic that goes through there, maybe it's not that high, but that's quite a bit, four aircraft and 20 yachts. Uh, number five, Bruce Gernon claims that he lost 28 minutes after flying through a time-warping cloud tunnel. <laughs> I don't know what a time-warping cloud tunnel is, but it sounds cool. It sounds like an episode of The Twilight Zone, for reals. 
And lastly, in 1918, 306 lives were lost when the U.S. Navy ship, the USS Cyclops, vanished. And it is the single largest loss of life in U.S. naval history outside of combat. See, you look at stuff like that and go, whoa, that's not some small aircraft or even a yacht, which a yacht is big, but it's not a U.S. Navy ship with 306 people on board. So that's pretty incredible. Really interesting. Who knows? Maybe one of these days we'll find out what's actually going on down there in the Bermuda Triangle. But I'd say what we can find out, and that is what is going on in your life and what have you learned? And I love hearing your stories of what you learned. And, uh, you know, you can do that by calling 304-837-2278 or heading over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. That's your way to participate in the Friday Forum, which is simply your chance to be a part of this podcast. This podcast is where I take stories from my life and just pull out little tidbits that I've learned along the way. And I invite you to do the same. And by doing so, make my life better and the lives of all of our listeners. And, you know, don't think too less of yourself to say, oh, I don't have anything I can share or mine's not as good as such and such. Ah, don't think that. I'd love to hear your story and I'll bet you that you'll do a better job of it than your inner voice is telling you. All right. Well, here's my inner voice that has typey typed out my story for today to now become my outer voice. And believe it or not, I'm not a big TV watcher. And that's true. I mean, I watch one or two shows at any given time. Right now I'm trying to watch Gotham, but I'm like a month behind on it. So, yeah, it's true. I'm not a big TV watcher. But few things on TV have excited me as much as the first teaser trailer for Fringe. I thought it was exciting, mysterious, and jaw-dropping. No pun intended. Okay, yes, there was. At work the next day, I remember talking with some of my coworkers about how cool it was. So when one of those coworkers suggested that we do a podcast about the show, I loved the idea. That coworker was named Jason, and he soon had our other coworker, Courtney, on board with the podcast. We all pitched in some money and got the best equipment that we could afford, which wasn't much. And I also bought a bunch of random gear from a friend who had it sitting in his garage. And I couldn't wait to get started. Courtney, Jason, and I were all big podcast listeners, and we began brainstorming ideas on how our podcast would be structured. Months before the show even premiered, we were planning our show, researching things online, and trying to make sense out of all the teaser materials that Fox was releasing. We soon began looking for someone with a science background, and that's when my friend Clint joined the team. Once the show premiered, our structure quickly changed. Even though we had done a tremendous amount of planning and did our best to be prepared, there's no way we could have fully predicted all that would change. Some of those changes were internal that our audience never knew about. For example, for the first few episodes, we all had separate notes on notebook paper or copy paper. And then when people got to my house to record, I'd quickly try to merge all of them together. Sometimes we'd work off of different sets of notes, having no idea what other people wanted to talk about. It was okay. 
but it made for a bit of a disorganized show and some frustration. When somebody suggested that we use Google Docs, it was the exact solution we needed. And along the way, we also had a segment or two that our early shows had that simply didn't fit in after a while, so we cut those segments due to either time or other constraints. When we started the podcast, I don't think any of us had visions of reaching a thousand downloads a week, let alone seven or eight or even nine thousand. We never dreamed of interviewing John Noble or Leonard Nimoy. We never aspired to show up in a British magazine. We never expected Fox to send us promotional materials in the mail. We never dreamed that Courtney would become best friends with a wacky and lovely lady named Patty from Canada. And the idea of one day starting a white tulip campaign to comfort a grieving mother would have been impossible to predict. But each of those things did happen, and so much more. It didn't take long for things to take an unexpected turn. Almost immediately after the show premiered, we began to see unexpected happenings. People wanted us to do our show live and broadcast it on the internet. None of us had a webcam, so we started out just doing them as audio broadcasts. We soon got a webcam, added a chat room, and a movement of sorts began. Soon after that, we started getting so much listener feedback, we had to decide what to do with it all. We decided to double the number of podcasts we were doing each week and have an entire show devoted to listener thoughts and theories. We also started a weekly watch party on our website and chatted about the show as it was airing in real time. Relationships were formed. A kinship was kindled. A community was created. Over its last few seasons, we weren't sure if Fringe would be renewed. After season three, we began wondering what would happen if Fringe was canceled. I mean, if Fringe got canceled, that meant our podcast was canceled too. By that time, we'd already started other podcasts like Cutting the Cable Podcast and Triplecast. But those podcasts were different than the Fringe podcast. They covered material that was years old. Fringe was the only podcast we had that covered material that was airing for the first time each week. We didn't want Fringe to get canceled and then lose our audience in the process. In the fall of 2011, there were a few shows that intrigued us, but none that got both Clint and I excited. In case you didn't follow our podcast in those days, Courtney and Jason both left the podcast in the middle of Fringe's second season. So by now, it's just Clint and I. Now, we were intrigued by shows like Awake, Alcatraz, Terra Nova, and even Grimm. I do wish that Person of Interest had piqued my interest more back then. I did give the first four episodes a watch, but then I gave up on it and didn't rediscover it for nearly a year and a half. However, the fall of 2012 was different. First, Fringe had been renewed, but we knew that it would be the final season, and a short one at that. Secondly, I finally found a show that I was ready to jump into with both feet. That show was Revolution. This time, I'd be jumping into a show not as a fledgling podcaster, but as a podcaster who had figured out a lot of things, sounded like a pro, and had a loyal, passionate fan base from day one. In my mind, 
revolution was going to blow away anything we'd been able to accomplish with Fringe. By the time the final season of Fringe was coming, I had contacts in hand with Fox and Warner Brothers. I had participated in weekly conference calls with the network, and I had interviewed dozens of celebrities from various shows. I was confident that we had a brand and a level of professionalism that a TV network would want to take advantage of. Confident that we'd have the audience and the connection with the network, I jumped in. I swapped a few emails with media contacts at NBC and Warner Brothers, and I told them about us. I created a media kit, a teaser video, I made up some necklaces like those from the show, and I sent them all to the contacts that I had made at Warner Brothers and NBC. Each of my contacts confirmed that they had received the kit, and then each one of them went silent. I mean, totally silent. To this day, I'm not sure that I've spoken with either of them ever again. I might have, but if I did, it was only once or maybe twice. Yeah, no worries, I thought. We have an awesome audience. That's what matters most. I'd hoped to be able to forge a relationship with the network or production studio to deliver bonus content to the listeners each week, but that was okay. We could still do amazing things without their participation. So, on September 17, 2012, Revolution premiered on NBC. The good news was that over 2.5 million more people watched the pilot for Revolution than had watched the pilot for Fringe. Things were looking good. We had this in the bag. We weren't going to lose our audience. Have you ever heard the expression, don't count your chickens before they hatch? Well, as it turned out, our audience size for Revolution never did compete with Fringe. In fact, if I look at our top 20 Fringe podcast episodes, those have been downloaded 188,000 times. If I look at our top 20 Revolution episodes, They've only been downloaded 88,000 times. But truthfully, it's not even that close. Most of the Top 20 Revolution episodes are early in the first season. Many people abandoned the show after four or five episodes, and our podcast was abandoned with it. The average is probably closer to 2,000 or 2,500 per episode. No worries. In 2012, a show called Almost Human was picked up by Fox. That show would have many of the same creative team, including the executive producer and showrunner, that worked on Fringe, and had a great cast with Carl Urban headlining it. I thought it would be an easy road to success for us. Clint, who had opted not to host the Revolution podcast with me, was back in the co-host chair. We had our connections back at Fox, who loved us during Fringe. The audience was pumped to have the creative team back at work. Yeah. This was a no-brainer. Not so fast. The pilot was viewed by nearly the same number of people who'd watched the Fringe pilot, but our numbers did not stack up. The download numbers were pretty much the same as we'd seen for Revolution. So here's what I learned. Before I go any further in this episode, let me be clear that I don't place a lot of importance on download numbers. Like, most new podcasters, I kept an eye on them early on, but well before Fringe took its bow, I was no longer looking at stats on a regular basis. Prior to me looking up the numbers so I could do this episode, I hadn't looked at stats on our shows for at least six months. They simply aren't what motivates me. What does motivate me is engaging an audience. 
And I think we've done that successfully with every show that I've hosted. Whether it's one of the podcasts that I've already mentioned, or the podcasts that I did for Falling Skies, Person of Interest, The X-Files, Grace Point, or Lost, I've always tried to build relationships with the audience. And of course, this podcast is no exception to that. But that's not the lesson for today's episode. The lesson for today is one that should have been evident to me all along. Unfortunately, I didn't learn it after Revolution. No, it was only after Almost Human that I learned it. That lesson is that nothing can be taken for granted. The fact is that I took our audience for granted. I assumed that they'd be there for Revolution because they'd been there for Fringe. And when that didn't happen, I looked at NBC or their marketing decisions, and other outside factors for blame. I looked at the different chemistry that Jeremy and I shared, and I put some blame on that. So when Almost Human came along, all of those issues were gone. I had my preferred network back. I had the creative team that I knew and loved. I was sure that the droves of people that listened to our Fringe podcast felt the same way, and they would be eagerly waiting by their iPods to hit that play button. I even had Clint sitting beside me, so our chemistry was back to what people had come to love. Yeah, I took it all for granted. I forgot how much I had to bust my butt on forums and blogs and social media to earn every ear that we had. I forgot the extra hours I had poured in day after day, week after week, trying to be the most knowledgeable person on the planet for the TV show Fringe. I fail to recognize that each show is different. Each show is separate. Each audience is unique. Each audience member must be earned. And of course, this lesson is true in so many aspects of our lives. Each role we play must not be taken for granted. Each relationship we have is different. And just because we've had success does not mean we are guaranteed success in perpetuity. We can't take anything for granted, and we should certainly never take anyone for granted. So if you've been listening to me since the fringe days, I want to apologize that I took you for granted. Today is Monday. In fact, it's the first Monday of the month. It's a time of year where we often think about accomplishments, goals, and how we can improve upon things next year. So how's this? Make today count. Make this week count. Make every moment count. Make every relationship count. Don't take it for granted. Don't forget that hard work is required to accomplish your dreams. And don't forget the hard work that you've had to do to get to where you're at. But keep at it. Appreciate what you have and who has joined you for the journey. This journey is the only one we get, and the people we share it with matter most. So as we enter into this final month of Silly, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you for joining in this journey with me. My life is better because of you. Now let's finish this strong together. I'm Daryl Darnell, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday.
Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. Join the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Stuff I Learned Yesterday. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd share this podcast with a friend.